0: morning, everyone. Time to begin a worship service this morning. We've got a few uh, things to go over this morning. I know sometimes it seems like that uh, might be a little long, but people at home want to to know what's going on, And, and we don't meet enough. Lots of times we don't know ourselves, so. We certainly want to go over our bulletin. First of all, I want to mention the the, uh, dinner, the sweetheart dinner, take-home dinner that we're having this morning. It's in the kitchen next door. Go go in after services, pick up stuff to go like we did a few weeks ago, and if you have some shut-ins or neighbors that's close to you that's members or whatever, pick up an extra lunch or two and uh, take it to them. This is a good thing. Also, Carol Galloway, she got to uh, come home. She's doing better, and we're glad for that. Uh, Vicki Bowen, she had fell and broken her leg. We continue to pray for Vicki. Larkin Dumphy is now home. Thankful for that. Jim Haney, no blockages found after his recent heart cath. Jim will be wearing a defibrillator. Vest for three months to monitor his heart. So we want to keep Jim in our prayers. Undergoing chemo is Rusty and Kristen. Uh, Dottie Hager reported last week that she's now cancer-free, and that's just, that's just wonderful news, and we're thankful for Dottie and the prayers that's been on her behalf. Also, uh, Marvin McAllister's grandmother has been moved to hospice, and uh, she is in very critical condition, so we want to keep that family in our prayers. Marvin McAllister's grandmother. Beverly uh, Edwards is feeling better after her fall last week. She's doing better. Also, we want to uh, express our sympathy to Pat and Alan Clark at the passing of uh, Pat's mother, uh, her funeral was this past week. Charlotte Blainer was her name. Charlotte Blainer, and we want to keep that family in our prayers. Clinton has asked prayers for his brother Larry, uh, who has had a uh, recently had a stent placement. Continue to pray for him. Myra Bowling, we announced last week, uh, uh, with cancer. She's the niece of uh, Joe and and uh, Linda Wheeler, and Abigail Nida has asked uh, prayers for her niece, uh, Michelin, who was hospitalized due to a serious heart inflammation. One other thing, we want to remember uh, uh, the garlics. Frank Garlick is having uh, his uh, uh, dialysis treatments three times a week, and they have an upcoming uh, wedding anniversary And that is on February the 20th, and it'll be 67 years. And uh, their address is is in the bulletin. If you get a chance, send them a card and let them know that we're certainly thinking about that. Is there any other announcements or anything that uh, I might not know about? All right, bow with me as we go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. Truly thankful that we're able to uh, be able to get out together again and worship you. Father, we uh, pray that you will continue to, to bless us. And, and, Father, we pray that uh, you will be with our country, watch over our country. And, Father, we pray that you will help us to do uh, what you would want us to do, Father. We're thankful for this congregation. And, Father, we are certainly mindful of those that we mentioned here this morning. Father, for those who are sick, for those, Father, who are doing better, we're so thankful. And we pray, Father, for those who are, are having chemo and just lost loved ones, whatever it may be, Father. We, we pray for them as brothers and sisters in Christ. When, when our family hurts, we hurt, Father we're thankful that uh, that you have blessed us we we pray that you will be with chris this morning as he brings us another lesson father help us to uh, to always do your will and help us not just to be doers of your word but help us to be or help us to be doers father and not just hearers but we thank you for all that we have we thank you for your son as we worship you this morning Help us to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. In his name that we pray, amen.
1: Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 810, Jesus Loves Me, 810.
2: Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, there will not to Him be wrong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Now I will yes, yes, tell me so. Jesus loves me you hey.
1: Next hymn this morning, number one hundred eighty. God is love. One hundred eighty. God is love. After this hymn, Brother Joe Galloway will have our scripture reading and prayer.
2: Come, Venice, all you my
3: reading for this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 and 26 here Jesus is comparing the church to man and wife verse 25 husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Bow with me, please, as we go to God in prayer. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather and to worship you this morning. Father, for the opportunity to be a child of yours, And to be in that relationship is just amazing to us that you have provided a way for us to do that. Thank you, Father, for the preachers, elders, teachers, the workers in the congregation here. Thank you for their efforts. Thank you and bless those efforts with much fruit. Father, we ask a blessing upon many that are sick, many that need your care and your healing or even just strength from you. Father, we pray for Vicki Bowen, for Larkin Dunfee. We pray, Father, for Jim Haney. We pray for Kristen Ward. Thank you, Father, that Carol got to come home. Please bless her. Bless Clinton as he cares for her. And bless his brother, who has just had heart surgery. Father, we ask prayer for Rusty Leap and for Meyer Bowling, Abigail Knight niece, Father, we pray for Jaden Allen, those that are fighting cancer, Dottie Hager, Kristen Ward, Rusty Leap, Randy Ash, Sherry Ward, Jimmy Wilgus, Amy Talbert, Hank Picklesheimer, Tim Cyrus, Rob Nida, Lakin Hayes, Terry Leap, Patty Justinian. Father, we also pray for our shut-ins for the garlics Frank and Jenny, for Eloise, Marvin, and Judy, for Babe Jones, for John Delane, Judy Gerald, Yvonne Cornell, Charles Sloan, Sandy Bryson, Wilma Warner, and Larry Faulkner. Father, there are, Father, there are many who are on our hearts, and some I know I have not mentioned. And I'm praying that you will be with them and strengthen them. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to call you, Father, to come and to realize how great a sacrifice your son is. In his blessed name we pray. Amen.
1: Number 769, 769 is Why Should He Love Me So.
2: He was sent my Savior to die in my stead. Why should He love me so? Meekly to Calvary's cross He was led. Why should He love me so? Oh. Mm-hmm.
4: couple verses to help us prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. I'd like to read John 15 verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend's. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for your Son who came and died on the cross for us. We're thankful that for the love that you've shown us as he took away our sins. Bless us, Father, as we partake of this bread, that we do it in a way that's pleasing unto you. In Thy Son's name we pray, and amen. Now, let us pray for the fruit of the vine. Father, we ask that you bless us as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that our Savior, your Son, shed on the cross for us. Bless us, Father. Bless us in this worship service. We pray the things that we do will be pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. Forgive us when we fall short. In thy son's name we pray, and amen. We now have an opportunity to give back a portion that we've been able to make for the country in which we live. We should continue to pray for that we have the opportunities that very few people in this world have the way we live and the the means that we have and the things that we have that even though the last nine, ten months, eleven months have been difficult, we've been able to work. Been able to have things. The last three or four days have been difficult with the weather that we've had. Just remember those that's been without electricity, and and hopefully that that. Uh, Things will be better with the weather and the pandemic that that we're enduring at this time. We're thankful that that we've got so many things, a warm building this morning to uh, come and sit with like-minded people and offer songs and hymns and prayers to our Lord. Bow with me. Father, we're thankful for your Son who came and died for us, that we have a chance one day to be in heaven with you. We're thankful for the land in which we live, the freedoms that we have, to be able to wash up here this morning. For those that are able to be here, we're thankful for them. As some roads are slicker than others, pray that you bless them with safe passage home. For those, Father, that that are unable to be here, we ask that you bless them. And and we're thankful that that we have the ways to. They can look and watch us as we worship in person and remotely. Bless us, Father, as, as we go through this week, through the remainder of this year and the things that are upcoming. We're thankful for all those that have been able to receive shots so far to help fight against this pandemic. And Father, we pray that it will be soon when we can put all of this behind us. We pray for our president, For the land in which we live, that you bless them and they look to you for guidance and help in their decisions. Bless us, Father. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray. And amen.
1: Let's all please stand again and we'll sing hymn number 646, The Love of God. Six hundred
2: forty-six. <clears throat> <clears throat> the love of God is greater than the human can ever tell. It goes beyond, it beyond the highest star and high reaches to the. Thank you. To strive O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measured, how strong! It shall forever endure, the saints and angels song. Thank you. Invitation hymn
1: this morning. Hymn number four hundred twenty-one. 421. Love
5: lifted me. This time, Brother Chris. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you here with us this morning. Go ahead and be turning to Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. I do have a couple more announcements that got handed to me a little bit later, uh, so we couldn't get those in the, in the original announcements. But. Uh, Jen Dale, this is Cheryl Egner's college roommate. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. and She's going to have a lumpectomy and a removal of her lymph nodes on Wednesday. So be in prayer for her. Also, BJ and Jenny Brown. These are uh, friends of the Egnors. Uh BJ had surgery and has a long road to recover. So be in prayer for, for those two families in addition to the ones we mentioned this morning. In Mark chapter 5, we are coming to the conclusion of a series of thoughts that Mark has been working us through over the last couple of weeks. We started out in Mark chapter 4 uh, with the parable of the, of the sower and looking at what kind of heart uh, is ours. Are we a good heart that openly receives the gospel? Are, when we hear the gospel, we push back a little bit. Which heart are we? And then he talks about you know putting hard work to grow your faith. He meets uh, a storm as he's going across the Sea of Galilee. And Mark uses that to teach us, what do you do during your own storms? Uh, Will you grow your faith, or will that be a time when your faith uh, dies or struggles? In Mark chapter 5, we meet three people. The last two, we're going to meet today. Last week, we met the demoniac. His name's Legion. He's in the middle of his very own storm. One of the harshest storms you can probably imagine But today, we meet two new people who are in just as thick, just as bad of a storm. A man, his name is Jairus, comes to Jesus, and he has a very significant problem. His little girl is sick. She's not just sick like you might think of sick, she is dying. The words that Mark uses to portray this little girl's sickness, She's 12 years old, so when you think of little girls, we know exactly this little girl's age, so Picture your 12-year-old. She's been sick for a while, and she's been getting progressively worse. And from the way the words that Mark uses to portray this little girl's illness, you get the impression that her dad and her mom have been watching this little girl's chest rise and fall, praying every breath. Just one more time. Just keep going. Fight. You can kind of feel this man's desperation. Somehow... He hears that Jesus has come back into his section of the country. We don't know exactly where this event happens. We don't know where Jairus lives. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is going to go home. He's going back to Capernaum. Uh, And so it's likely that this city is close to Capernaum. Maybe we're supposed to think that this is Bethsaida. But we we don't know. We're not told. But for whatever, wherever we're at, whichever city we're in around the region of the Sea of Galilee here, Jairus hears that he has come back to this region, and he runs out to, to Jesus. Somehow, he has heard of Jesus' miraculous power, and he is hoping against hope that Jesus can do something for his little girl. So he comes down, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. Now, that's kind of interesting, because that's exactly what Legion did. Earlier on in this exact chapter, right? He threw himself down at Jesus' feet. And that's a motif you're going to see coming up time and time again in Mark chapter 5. So he throws himself down at Jesus' feet. And this is a little bit of an odd reaction maybe because Jairus is a powerful man. He's well respected. He's wealthy. He has a position. He has power. This is maybe the most powerful man in this city at least as far as the Jews are concerned, because he is the ruler of the synagogue. That does not mean that he is a rabbi. He is not theologically trained, per se. um, But he is the guy that makes sure that everything runs well in the synagogue. So he's the guy that picks out the scriptures. He's the one who finds the guy to read the scriptures, to interpret. He is that guy. and So this guy is well-respected. He's powerful. But his little girl's sick. She's at death's door. Is the way he is the word Mark uses in Greek there when he says she's sick, and so he's desperate. He's hurting. Can you put yourself in this father's mind? Uh, there's, there's. He's tried everything. Um, I, I cannot fathom being in this place. His heart's breaking, and he is going to latch onto this last little bit of hope that he can, that he can find. True faith this is what we're talking about in Mark four and five, right? True faith is always acting. It's always doing something. During this season, we've restricted our, our movements have been restricted, haven't they? We can't do the things that we've normally used to doing. So maybe we've had to get a little creative with how we serve, But true faith always serves. It always acts. It's what it does. It reaches out and it helps people. In James chapter 2, James puts up this conundrum for us. He says, when well, you say you've got faith but you don't do anything, you don't really have faith. Paraphrasing there, you can go back and read James 2 for yourself. But if you say you've got faith but it doesn't actually do anything, you don't actually have faith. You've got a hope, maybe a dream, a wish. It's not really faith. Because true faith always acts. This father's got some faith. We don't know that he's ever talked to Jesus. We don't know that he's ever even been in the same city as Jesus. But apparently he's heard of this man's miraculous power. And so when push comes to shove, Jairus has some faith. We're going to find out in a little bit that it's not quite at the level that it ought to be or that it can be but he's got a little bit of faith and his faith is acting it's active now just as Jairus is explaining the situation to Jesus, he's got a little girl, she's sick Jesus says, well I'll come and heal her and he makes to leave with her something else happens we meet our second person in this story now as you're reading through Mark chapter 5 later on today, we don't have time to read through this, uh, this chapter ourselves right now but I would encourage you to go back through tonight, this afternoon, and read through this chapter and watch how Mark has put these two stories together for us. He means for them to be one unit. Uh, he sandwiches in them. He introduces Jairus and then he introduces this woman and then he introduces the, the healing of Jairus's daughter. So these are, this is this one unit. We're meant to read these together. Mark is trying to prove us a point here for us. So as Jesus agrees to heal Jairus's daughter, he makes to leave... There's a massive crowd around Jesus, as there is when he's in Jewish territory. Uh, Earlier, when Jesus had left Jewish territory and gone back into Gentile territory, there's not a crowd. In fact, the only time that there there comes a crowd to him, they're pushing him away. They're they're scared of him after he's healed Legion. The the power that that he obviously has terrifies them more than they were scared of Legion. And so they, they plead with him, they beg with him to leave. But when he goes back into Jewish territory, the crowds have surrounded him. And now he's, he's got people all around him. I mean, they're thronging around him. And so he's making the leave to go to Jairus' house to heal this little girl. And all of a sudden, he feels power leave him. Now, the implications of that little thought might blow your mind a little bit, right? When Jesus healed someone, he felt power leave him. It it wore him out a little bit. He could tell the difference when he healed someone. So, a whole day full of healing and teaching, when he'd been up the whole night preaching and and, uh, praying, was Jesus tired? Yeah, he was. You you can feel the the weight ministry had on even him. It it bore him down. So, he feels power to leave him, And he turns around and he has this really ironic question that the disciples take uh, exception to. He says, who touched me? And the disciples kind of look around and say, everyone is touching you. <laughs> there are a bazillion people around us. How are you, why are you saying somebody who touched me? Everybody's touching everybody. We can't, we can't move, you know. You ever been in a crowd like that where you can just kind of walk like this? Not lately, Right. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of what Jesus is doing he's in a crowd that's that they're thick around him but he feels power leaving and he says who touched me and the disciples say well what do you mean who touched you and Jesus says who touched me and it's not just one phrase the word Mark uses here is Jesus kept on looking and so he's looking through the crowd he's meeting eyes and he's looking for the one who touched him now did he not know who touched him well it's Jesus of course he knew who touched him so why is he doing this? We'll come back in just a second toward the end of our lesson and figure that out. But he's looking around, and all of a sudden, a woman steps forward. This woman has been in a condition uh, for the last 12 years. Remember the little girl, Jairus' little girl that's sick and dying? She's 12 years old. And so this lady has had a problem for this little girl's entire lifetime. That's what Mark wants us to see. She's been struggling in this condition for an entire lifetime. Not her lifetime, but an entire lifetime worth of pain. This is a gyne- gynecological problem. She's having a flow of blood, is what, uh, what King James would say about this, which meant that she was unclean. She could not come into the city. She was forced out into the wilderness. We've talked before about the, the way that the first century people treated lepers. Um, The mosaical law forced them out into the wilderness so that they didn't infect other people. She would have been treated the exact same way. She could not come to the temple. She could not come to the synagogue to worship. You think she knew Jairus? I think she probably did. I think he's the one who kept her out of the synagogue. And rightly so. He's following the mosaical law, right? What I want you to see is this woman's incredible loneliness... Her incredible pain. She's been dealing with this for 12 years. Can you imagine what this woman has gone through? In fact, she has spent every dime she has on a cure. It hasn't made her better. It's only made her worse. The doctor's treatments that were designed to help her have only actually caused her more pain. Is this woman desperate? She's just as desperate as Jairus is. And so you find two desperate people coming to Jesus for help. It's what faith does, right? True faith acts. It does something. And so maybe over the last couple of weeks, months, days, your faith has been motivating you to do something. You ever been bothered by something? Like a problem in the world, a problem in the church, a problem in your own life, and thought, I need to do something about that. That's your faith motivating you to do something. Don't ignore that work on it, push through it, figure it out, do do something because that's what true faith does it, it it acts. And so we come to our second section here as we think of what this story means to us, not only does true faith act like these like these two people acted, but also we got to think of why did Jesus call out this woman? She had to be ashamed. Right? If you can put yourself in her position, she had to be ashamed. She had been outcast for twelve years. If you treat somebody like that for a decade, it begins to get inside their head, doesn't it? It begins to affect affect their mental state and, and she had she had to be there. She had to be ashamed. We also know that this, will, this that this lady came from behind Jesus. Jairus didn't though, right? Jairus comes up to Jesus, he falls down at his feet, he gets his attention. And he says something to Jesus. He has an interaction with him. This lady doesn't. She doesn't want to draw attention to herself. She wants to be in the shadows. And she is under the impression that if she can just touch his cloak, just a little part of his His clothes that are dragging along the ground. If she can just grab a hold of one of those little pieces of clothing, she can be healed. She doesn't want to be, she doesn't want an interaction with Jesus. She just wants to be healed. She doesn't want to be in the spotlight. She doesn't want to talk to Him. She just wants healing. And so, why did Jesus say, who touched me? Making her draw herself out. Making her have that interaction with Him. Think about why Jesus did miracles in the first place, right? John twenty, thirty and thirty one tells us that Jesus did miracles so that you would believe, so that you would have an undying allegiance to him. I don't know that this lady's there yet. I think she has some pretty incredible faith. I think she's got more faith than Jairus does even. I think we can we'll talk about that in just a second. I think she's got some pretty impressive faith, but I don't know that she's to the undying allegiance part yet. I think she's going to get there, though. I think that's why Jesus calls her out. I think that's why He wants to talk to her. He wants to have a face-to-face conversation with this lady who didn't want to have a face-to-face conversation with Him because of her shame, because of her, her history and her background and all these things that have culminated into this wretched lifestyle. But he, I think He calls her out to have this interaction with her so that she can connect the miracle to this undying allegiance. Because that's the point of miracles, right? That's why they happened. We need that kind of faith. That when God does something in our lives, when He transforms us, when He steps in and changes our lives and molds us more closely into the image of Christ, I want to point out to you how else can we apply this passage to us with God all things are possible with God all things are possible the man Jairus the synagogue ruler has this sick little girl and as Jesus is having this interaction with the woman somebody comes up from Jairus's house I wonder if Jairus noticed them I wonder if he recognized them and I wonder if he knew what it meant. Put yourself in his shoes. You've got a sick child at the, at the house. You finally found the healer who can do something about this. And he's even agreed to come. But then you see off in the distance somebody that you recognize running from your house. And you've got to know what he means, right? you've got to know he's bringing bad news. And so the messenger gets there and he says, Don't trouble the teacher any longer. Your, your little girl's died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus has this really incredible statement. He overhears what's going on. The messenger's not talking to him. He's speaking to Jairus. But Jesus has overheard this interaction. And he looks over at Jairus. And he says, Don't doubt. Only believe. Only, Only believe. With God, all things are possible. Jairus and all the people around him couldn't see a future for his little girl. But Jesus did. He could see ahead and know that she was going to be just fine, that she was going to continue living here. But they couldn't grab hold of that, could they? They couldn't see it. Despite all the alarms that were going off in Jairus' minds. In Jairus' mind, Jesus was asking him to only believe, to trust. Well, what basis would he have in that faith, right? Jesus has already agreed to heal his little girl. That's the linchpin in this, in this part here, in this application. Jesus has already healed, agreed to heal his little girl. He's already headed that way, but he had to interact with this woman first. And so is Jesus going to heal his little girl? yeah he is she he is that's going to happen. The healing will take place because he's already agreed to it. so with God, all things are possible. What's interesting about the woman's story when Jesus says, You're healed when he has this interaction with her and he says You're healed. He uses a word there for healed. That sounds an awful lot like his own name. The word he uses for healed is yashaw. Not in Greek, but he didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic or or Hebrew. It's the same word. And so when he said it, he would have said it in Hebrew. And so he's saying, you're Yeshua'd." But in a way that this this woman didn't quite understand, she had already met Yahshua, Jesus. That's his Hebrew name, Yahshua. She had already met him. And if she wanted to be truly cleansed, all she had to do was get inside of Yahshua, inside of Jesus, for the true and full cleansing. She had been healed of her disease, but she hadn't been healed of sin yet. To do that, she had to be inside of Christ. This isn't a Valentine's Day lesson. I kind of forgot it was Valentine's Day. Don't tell Kelly. Uh, this week, when I was sending the the uh, scripture reading out, um, but I found it was appropriate, right? So, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. He sacrificed Himself for us, cleansing us. Only when you meet Jesus are you cleansed. Only when you're inside of Him through the power of baptism. Can you be cleansed? With God, all things are possible. It doesn't matter what your life looked like before this moment. If you want to be saved, if you want to be cleansed, He is in the business of washing all that other stuff away, washing your history away, and making you brand new. With Him, all things are possible. The last thing I want you to notice here in Mark chapter 5 is everyone is equal In God's eyes. Everyone's equal in God's eyes. Notice Jairus. He and this woman are so so different. You you could not find two people who were more different. We don't even know this woman's name. That's how different they are. We call her the woman. (laughs) Jairus. Mark is not in the, the... He doesn't normally name the people in these incidences, he's not interested in that. He's interested in proving his point. Remember, Mark's a preacher, not necessarily a historian. So he doesn't always, doesn't usually name the people that are in his stories, although they had names, right? He doesn't name them. But here he does. He says, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. Why did he, call, why did he tell us his name? I think he told us his name to make the distinction between Jairus and this woman even more stark. Jairus is a man. In Jewish society, that gives you a leg up, right? He is powerful. Remember, this guy is probably the most powerful guy in the entire city. He has a position. He has a job. He's wealthy. He's well-respected. He's on the end. He's in the in the crowd. This is the guy. And then on the other side, you have this woman who is an outcast, who is as out as you can possibly be from the in crowd she doesn't even have a name she's not well respected in fact people don't even want to be close to her they can't even touch this lady because it will make them unclean but when they both came to jesus what did he do he healed them both isn't that amazing no matter what you've done no matter who you are no matter what you've been. If you come to Jesus for cleansing, that's what he does. He cleanses. He cleanses you. Look in Mark chapter five, verse thirty-six. We're gonna I want to end with this thought. Mark chapter five, verse thirty-six. This is Jesus' words to, to Jairus when the the um, Servant comes to him from his house and tells him his little girl's dead. This is what Jesus says, verse 36. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. Don't fear like who? You got a pretty good example of what it looks like not to be afraid, not to allow your fear to stop your faith, right? In this woman, was she afraid to come to Jesus for the healing? Absolutely. She didn't even talk to him. She didn't even want him to look at her. She didn't want him to know she was there. She was terrified. It didn't stop her faith. She kept on going. And so when Jesus overhears this awful sentence... That this servant has brought Jairus. He looks at him and says. Don't fear. Only believe. Just like this woman. And so Jesus is setting up. Her. As the example. That the righteous Jairus. Should follow. Isn't that amazing? Jairus is used to being the example. He's used to being the one people point at. And say look at Jairus. You should be more like Jairus. I bet bet. Ten-year-olds heard in their, in their home, you should be more like Jairus. Grow up and be like Jairus one day, right? But in this incident, Jesus looks at Jairus and says, you should be more like the woman. because She didn't allow her fear to stop her faith. Everyone is equal in Jesus' eyes. Doesn't matter where you've been or who you've been. He is ready to cleanse you. Let this woman be an example for you today. If you need cleansing from Jesus, if you want to be baptized, having all your sins washed away in the power of His blood, that's a step you can take today and start a brand new, fresh life. One that's modeled after His concepts and His life. And as you're transformed every day, more and more closely into the image of Jesus. Maybe you've already made the decision. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. If you have any need, won't you come as we stand and sing?
2: I was taking deep and sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me as they Love is the Love is the where nothing else could help. Love Love the Year, Love is the where nothing else could help. Songs. They will love in service to the
1: out our service this morning. We'll sing number 853. <clears throat> 853. <clears throat> God is so good. 853. After this, and Brother Jackson Stevens
2: we will have our prayer. God
1: pray with me dear lord thank you for this great day that you've given us lord
5: please bless the food to our nourishment that we're about to eat and please help all of those who are on the sick list to recover lord please help everyone here to drive home safely and to have a good week in jesus name i pray